there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Seton, what if I told you there's a bacon, then there's number one thick cut, tastes like a touchdown in your mouth bacon? You must be talking about Wright brand bacon because mm-hmm. they are not playing when it comes to the premium quality of their bacon. It's thick cut, hand trimmed, and real wood smoke. Real. And you can tell. So why settle for average bacon when you can have the real stuff? That's right. And if you're looking to upgrade any meal, any meal, try Wright brand bacon. That's called Wright brand bacon. You won't regret it. Experience bacon the right way. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my sports in one app, like the National Women's Soccer League, included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. The State Farm NBA Play-In Tournament. It's not the Play-In Tournament. It's the State Farm NBA Play-In Tournament. Isn't exactly starting out with a bang tonight. Pacers host the Hornets Eastern Conference 9-10 battle. Then you have the Celtics. They will host the Wizards the 7-8 matchup. Do or die for Indy and Charlotte. Loser of the Boston-Washington game gets another shot to advance to the playoffs, but this certainly pales in comparison to what we have tomorrow night, the featured matchup, LeBron and the Lakers versus Steph and the Warriors. If you're a true NBA fan, there's always a reason to watch. Maybe this is your first chance to watch the Hornets rookie, LaMelo Ball. He missed a long stretch with a broken wrist. Still has a chance to be the rookie of the year. Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal make the Wizards interesting. And the Celtics are probably fascinatingly inconsistent. As for Indiana, oh, they seem like nice guys. Um, all right, it's not LeBron and Steph, but it's still postseason basketball. It's here to stay, and, and I'll take it. McLevin, you got a poll question for me today. Well, let's start right there. Do you think the NBA should keep the play-in tournament moving forward? Yes, because I think they have to with the regular season being viewed as not a necessity of where you end up. You know, your seed doesn't matter. I think if you feel like you're a good enough team, I think the Lakers probably thought, what's the worst case scenario? All right, we got a play-in game. Uh, All right, we get two chances here. I think they felt pretty comfortable with that. Um, but I also like that Washington's season was over with COVID issues, injuries. They made a trade. They brought in Russell Westbrook. And then they sort of brought the franchise back to life here. And they're sort of in in the playoffs. And I think it's a really intriguing matchup there. I, I'm interested to watch that game. I, I truly am because of Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. And I don't know what the Celtics are doing. Because they got so close, and it feels like they're so far away. Um, I think you have to have, if there's going to be load management, then I think you have to have something that says, how do we make the re- you know the end of the regular season interesting? How do we get a few more fan bases involved in it? It's gimmicky, but I understand it. And I think that maybe allowing 16 playoff teams, you sort of watered down the playoffs. Now having the play-in tournament spices it up just a little bit more. It's here. It's here to stay. You got a sponsor, State Farm. And, um, you know, the, we're not going to have the Lakers versus the the Warriors every year. I mean, most of these play-in games are going to be like the play-in games for the NCAA tournament, where you're going to go, uh, all right, I'll watch, but it doesn't really count. 
Like if the Lakers were healthy, they wouldn't be in this position. If Golden State was healthy, they wouldn't be in this position. These positions are for teams like Memphis, New Orleans, Washington. Uh, Boston's a disappointment this year. But for the most part, when you see the play-in teams, these are teams that really need something like this just to keep their season alive. Yeah, McLovin. I, I understand that there's less tanking because of this, and it's huge. That's a huge benefit. But it kind of reminds me how in college football, since every game seems to matter because you need to win to get into the playoffs. But in college basketball, a regular season college basketball game doesn't mean much because everyone gets in the tournament. Now two-thirds of the NBA is in the playoffs. So what? why does a one versus two seed in February on a Saturday night, why is that game really going to mean anything? It feels like it's watering down. Well, let me go back to college football because you say, hey, every game matters. Well, once you lose twice, then you have no chance to be in the final four. Right? If you're an right. average team or a team that doesn't get recognition or you're an outlier, not in the Power Five conference, then you have no chance. College football needs to expand if they want to have their regular season mean more. I don't think it I don't think it takes away from the regular season in college football because let's face it. How many schools have a legitimate chance to win the national title every year? Like eight, maybe. Now, if I have a 12-team playoff, now I have how many teams? Now I have 20, maybe maybe even more that have a chance to get into the playoffs. Maybe they get in as the 11th or 12th seed, but they get in. And then they can share in that money, the revenue that will come, you know, as a result. Because for the most part, the rich are getting richer when it comes to the Final Four in college basketball. Uh, I don't like gimmicky things and, and hey, we got to have everybody in the playoffs. But I think, first of all, money speaks. Like, you got to start there. You know, these owners lost a lot of money. And they want to get that money back somehow, some way. And I think if you're the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver... All ideas should be on the table. Like, how do we generate more excitement and more revenue here? And I think that's why it's here to stay. The Amy Club. Well, what about a midseason tournament? Is well, that, that's coming. Isn't that a line too far? Like, yes. talking about cutting out the regular season. That, I think, is on the way. Woj has hinted about this, and I think that we're going to have a midseason tournament. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it would mean for the end of the regular season. I don't know what it would mean for the playoffs. But I do think trying to spice up the regular season because of load management. I mean, look at the marquee players. Now, you did have injuries, sort of. But I felt like guys were staying out longer than they really needed to. Did LeBron need to stay out that long? If it was a playoff game, he would have been back. Anthony Davis, uh, James Harden. Uh, Kyrie, Kevin Durant. These are the marquee players on the marquee teams, and they didn't play. You know, Kawhi, that used to be, it was no big deal. Hey, I might play 62 games here, 62 out of 82. And we're like, oh, yeah, okay, load management. But if I'm a fan, I want to know when I tune in. Am I? What am I seeing when I tune in? And this is the dangerous part, I think, for the NBA. Because... I've tuned in before. First of all, I don't recognize the uniforms. And then second of all, I go, okay, wait. Okay. Oh, it's the Pelicans. Okay. Uh, no Zion. Okay. No Zion. To, no. Okay. No Lonzo Ball. All right. Now do you stay watching a game like that? Let alone the marquee games. Because these players are going, you know, why am I killing myself here? We're going to make the playoffs. I'm still going to get paid. I'm not going to get fined for sitting out because I have a high ankle sprain or I got something wrong with my shoulder. Okay. But I, I, I think the NBA has to, you know, it's like baseball's regular season. Like, do you tune? How many times have you tuned in recently where you go, I have to watch this game? And I'm not talking about your local team because they used to have a game of the week. And that was on Saturday, and it was a big deal. Now every game is on, and how many tune-in factor games do you have? Must-see TV. It's really rare unless it, if it's a pitching matchup. Like Shohei Otani, if, if he was on at a time when I could watch, I would watch. But how many of those players are there anymore? 
Now, you do have talent. There's a lot of young talent, but I don't, you need tune in factor. Like the NFL is fortunate. Now, they're going to expand eventually to 18 games. Now, it's 17 now, just so you know that, that they'll be going to 18 games. At what point do they water down their playoff system? Because they keep adding more playoff teams, more revenue. Everybody seems to be happy. I don't know if they get to that point where, hey, it doesn't really matter if we win our division. Maybe it doesn't matter if we have home field advantage. But I think all of these sports really are, they tinker with the regular season. And as much as I don't like the expansion of playoffs, I think college football needs it to add more teams in. Therefore, the regular season is far more interesting in a bigger picture because if I lose two games, I could still be the 12th seed, 11th seed. And the amount of money that would be at stake. And you could still have your secondary bowl games if you wanted to. But I, I think that would be the way I, I see college football going pretty soon. Yeah, Paul. And like you said, with college football last year, a team like Indiana would have made an 18 playoff. And they were threatening. They, they could play with the big guys. Coastal Carolina, whatever you think of them, they would have had a shot. They would have had that would have been a fascinating game to tune into. It may not second half may not have been great, but Coastal Carolina in a playoff game would have been cool. You just want a chance. Like like when I my my you know childhood is all about that, wow, that moment, or you didn't expect that. Like sports is about the unexpected. That that's why Hollywood loves sports, because they write endings that Hollywood would never think of. You just want a chance. You want to face somebody. You never get that chance. All right, you might get blown out. Maybe the, the end results aren't very pretty. But I think anybody who competes just wants that chance, and we love the underdog story. I mean, that's why we love March Madness. Underdog story. And then we get to the final four, the Elite Eight, and we say, all right, now let's kind of resume things. Let's get back to our regularly scheduled program where we have the Blue Bloods in here. But when you get that outlier, that's what's fun. When you get introduced to a player that you wouldn't normally get introduced to, that's fun. And I think sometimes that's lost on us when it comes to sports now. Yeah, Paul. It's funny, though, because even though other teams have a chance, small teams have a chance, we always say in the media and people on social media, that team has no chance. Like I saw a lot of people in sports media and others saying the Lakers have no chance to lose two in a row. There's no chance the Lakers are going to lose mm-hmm. two in a row. They're facing Steph Curry tomorrow night. Yeah. That could One thing could happen. They're only a, a favorite by four points. Now, I know they'd probably be a big favorite over the Spurs or the Grizzlies, but this is Steph Curry's season. And the Spurs or the Grizzlies, if they somehow get the Lakers in that next game, if the Lakers lose, that's their season, that upset. There's, there's always a chance. That would scare the hell out of me if I was a Laker fan. This program brought to you by Simply Safe isn't just award-winning security. It uh, keeps your family safe. They offer a team of highly trained security experts when you need them the most. Go to simplysafedan.com, customize your system, get a free security camera. What other poll questions are you working on there, McLovin? Okay, I have an MVP poll, and I have numbers to back it up real quick. Oh, okay. So I'm going to give you these players their team's records when they're on the be- when they don't play. Yeah. The Warriors without Steph are two and seven. Nikola Jokic played every game for the Nuggets, so he's out of this poll. The Knicks are undefeated when Julius Randle doesn't play, so he's out of this poll. The 76ers are 10 and 11 without Embiid. The Bucks are 6 and 5 without Giannis. The Blazers have a winning record without Lillard, and the Clippers have a winning record without Kawhi. So based on that stat, is there a good argument to say since the Warriors are 2 and 7 without Steph and they have a winning record with a huge winning record with them? He's the MVP. I wonder if the Warriors had gotten to the sixth seed, maybe the seventh seed, would would we look at Steph Curry's season differently because they overachieved? We we love a story. This was a great story with Steph Curry. And I know I've been a big proponent of him being the most valuable player this year. But I thought they were going to challenge for the NBA title this year if everybody was healthy. I think because he's sort of on the fringe, you know, with the play-in tournament, that it's, oh, you know, he kind of got there. It's gimmicky. Plus, he's got a couple MVPs. You know, maybe that factors in, too. But if they had the sixth seed, I think I think the voters might look at Steph Curry differently. Um, 
And, and it, it's not an exact science. They don't give you anything. There's no like, here are the rules. Here's the criteria when you vote for the MVP. It's just you're, what you think MVP stands for. Is it the ble- best player on the best team? Is the guy who has the best stats? Is it the best story of the guy who's on a playoff team? Greek Freak was wonderful this year. If the Bucks had won the title last year, Greek Freak might have been the MVP this year. I think that it was probably held against him that, well, yeah, he was really good, but they bow out early. Okay. Joel Embiid, if he was healthy, if he played all, okay, but he didn't. Like, give credit to Jokic. He played every game this year. So that has to factor in. We might not look at them as championship worthy, certainly losing Jamal Murray, but he did everything you ask a great player to do. I know he's not exciting. I know a crisp bounce pass, backdoor cut, you know, a a nice 15-footer. Nobody cares about that. But that's it. We shouldn't be honoring, you know, people with style points. It's what do you do for you t- your team? Jamal Murray goes down, so they lose an all-star. And what did Denver do? They won 9-10. That says something about Jokic. And I thought he was going to be the MVP, you know, the second half of the season, even though I'd been pushing for Steph Curry. Yeah, Paul. If he's going to win the MVP, we got to get his name down before the end of today's show. McLovin said Nikola. So is it Nikola or Nikola, and is it Jokic or Jokic? Because there's four different options you could have for his name because don't, we don't know how to pronounce either first name or last name. Well, if I just go Joker, then I'm good. But it's, it could be Joker because it's Jokic. Yeah. But that's like Tibbs and Thibodeau. Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic. There's four different options. I'm going Nikola Jokic. That's calling sound, it officially. That saying sounds that. right. That's that, the one I'm saying. Yeah, that sounds right. So it's, not, little, it's not Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic, <laughs> but he's called Joker. The Nikola sounds a little Italian the way you guys are saying it. But it doesn't sound like Ricola. I think it's a hard cola. Nikola. Not Nikola. Not Nikola. Nikola. I think it's a hard cola. Mm, okay. Yes, McLovin. Can I bash NBA MVP voters through the years? And I hope this, I don't know last time you voted. Well, can I take a break here? Yeah, I have a huge issue every year with the way they do this. Okay, let let me take a break. And then Mannix has a vote, so I'll ask him later on who he voted for. Anybody want to guess? Mannix probably voted Joker. He can't vote for a Celtic, but... uh, I was about to say Tatum. (laughs) Put in Larry Bird right in. Yes, Eden. Yoker is a better nickname, just saying. Yoker? The Yoker? Oh, definitely. No, no, just yoked. <laughs> the yoke. Yoked. That's what you want to. But he's not yoked. That's the problem. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying flag on the play you've already talked about that but there's just so much more good stuff in this game in monopoly go you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards the more you win together the more awesome prizes you unlock and there's so much more to get you can get unique stickers you can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes there's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with i was always a uh, battleship guy you know, you get those pieces, like there was the hat, there was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the, I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship? It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I, I didn't mean? even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like digging for treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. 
Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it Whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. It's a beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters the most. It's a light beer that tastes like beer. That's why I reach for a Miller Lite. And it's less filling. Only 96 calories. They've been doing this since 1975. They have perfected it. You know, that summer afternoon, we're coming into that time of the year, be like, oh, man. Crack one? Yes, or two. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the calendar. You know. Miller Lite, the great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time, so saddle up for all the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses. Then watch the races live right there on the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with the code DP. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS, 21-PLUS in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. Senior NFL reporter, lead content strategist for the Monday morning quarterback. Albert, let me start with what we think is the truth that Adam Schefter reported on the night of the draft that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. Told the team that. We haven't heard anything. I don't know if it's confirmed by anybody, but it's become fact. Right. Has Aaron Rodgers, has anybody confirmed that Aaron Rodgers said to the Packers, I want out? I mean, I can tell you that they've had like numerous conversations over the last few months, which has included trips to California, Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, the people in charge in Green Bay, to try to eradicate the issue between the team and the player. And, and I think Aaron Rodgers, like I've said this to you all along, I think, Dan, is that like we should listen to him. We should listen to him in January. We should listen to him, you know, when he's said when he's confirmed a lot of what he said initially to Pat McAfee. Um, you know, and I don't think anything that Aaron Rodgers does is a mistake. He's calculating. He's very intelligent. He understands the media. Like I, I, I just I fail to believe that any of this stuff is by accident. And so, um, you know, the Packers are very well aware that they've got a, a situation on their hands that they've got to find a way to fix. They got a team that's in a position to win right now. You look at the age of their core too. A lot of guys that are smack dab in the middle of their prime on big contracts. Um, I, you know, I, I they're going to do everything they can to try to get Aaron Rodgers back in house. Um, there's an awareness there that Jordan Love's not ready to go, and you know, I, I really think that um, you know, like if you just watch the way the Packers have operated over the last three four months, there's no question there's a very serious problem there and. You know, I think a big part of it is what Aaron wants, which, you know, it looks a lot like, I think, what Tom Brady has now in Tampa. But the trade discussions, it doesn't yeah. really feel like there's any firmness to the reporting on it. It's it's almost like we're wishful reporting here or we're, we're wishful speculating. <laughs> well, you know, what would Denver have to offer? What about the Raiders? 
Yeah. I, I don't know what his market value is. I don't know if they've made an offer. Has Denver called Green Bay? Has, has uh, you know, the Raiders, have they called Green Bay? I'm assuming everybody's called them. Um, now, you know, when I talked to, to Brian Gutekunst on draft weekend, you know, he said that he had just gotten one call um, the day of the draft and that was it. And obviously John Lynch acknowledged that the Niners made a phone call. So you can put two and two together on that. But I mean, I would assume at the very least, and I don't know this for a fact that the Broncos GM, George Payton picked up the phone and called that the Raiders GM, Mike Mayock picked up the phone and called. If you see that Aaron Rodgers is going to be interested in you, it'd be almost irresponsible not to make those phone calls. And I think the other thing you can look at here, Dan, is a lot of these teams have left their options open. You know, I mean, Denver and Carolina really like Justin Fields. They wind up passing on him. Their options are open to go and get veteran quarterbacks. We see, you know, Miami, I think, still sitting out there with a lot of capital. And, and I think maybe they'd be more in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes than the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes if these sweepstakes ever happen. Um, you know, but there are, you know, a number of teams out there that have left their options open. And, you know, at this point, like they, I think the Aaron Rodgers thing is where the Deshaun Watson thing was three months ago, where back then Nick Casario was getting phone calls and giving everybody a flat no. The Packers response to anyone calling has been, we're not trading Aaron Rodgers. We'll see if that changes over. Boy, that's a dangerous game that uh, some of these teams played on draft night that you love that quarterback. It's a young quarterback. And you decide that, hey, we're not going to take a quarterback that we think could be our future because we might be in the in the chase for Aaron Rodgers. Is that what you're saying? I don't know if it's just that. I mean, like, look, for both Denver and Carolina, it was literally the top defensive player in the draft, in their opinion. J.C. Horn for Carolina, Patrick Sertan for Denver, versus going all in on Justin Fields. And if you take Justin Fields – then you're tied to him. Like your job security, if you're Matt Rule, your job security, if you're Vic Fangio and George Payton, it ties directly to those guys, to that guy, if you draft him that high. But I do think that a piece of it for both those teams was maintaining flexibility at the quarterback position, knowing how quickly things have changed at that position over the last six months. And I think there's an acknowledgement there too, Dan, and this is league-wide. I mean, if you talk to any general manager, they'll acknowledge this. The like the way quarterbacks are being handled is starting to change. And I think a huge part of that goes back to Tom Brady and the way that the Bucs have built around Tom Brady and the way the Bucs have mortgaged contracts to win in a certain window is Tom Brady. And the fact that Tom Brady took the risk of changing teams so late in his career and it worked and they won the Super Bowl. And so, you know, I, I think that there are some teams that are looking at like the landscape right now, the NFL and saying, if these high-end quarterbacks are going to be available, if Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers is going to be available over the next four or five months, maybe we're best off taking a really good player at the top of the draft and keeping our options open at the most important position. But if I said, if you were going to, I guess it's a hunch, and maybe that's not fair to you, who's the quarterback week one for the Packers? Who's the quarterback week one for the Texans? The quarterback week one for the Packers, I believe, is going to be Aaron Rodgers. I think they'll find a way to fix it. Um, now, it's going to be complicated because I think what Aaron wants, like the ship sort of sailed on it, on that, you know? I think what Aaron wants is, again, like a, the, the, the Packers to build with the same sort of urgency that the Bucs have built around Tom Brady. And, you know, I think it's, yeah, like, how do you do that now, <laughs> right? Like, free agency is over, the draft's over. I, I mean, you're into, you're into the end of May, like, I mean, maybe you can trade for Julio Jones, um, but what can you do other than make promises to Aaron Rodgers that we're going to take the way that we've done business for the last 30 years and we're going to throw it out starting in 2022? Is that how you get him back in? Maybe it is, mm -hmm. you know, but I think that something like that has to happen. Um, and then the Texans, I, like, I think the likelihood right now is that Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback there. And I also think there's a likelihood that Deshaun Watson's played his last game as a Texan. I think whenever you have, whenever we get clarity on the legal situation and the league situation, you know, I do think Houston's going to wind up moving him. And I'm not sure where, um, but you know, I I do know that the tone in that building changed a whole bunch from January to the end of March into April. You know, I talked 
on my podcast to the GM there, Nick Casario, and I gave him, you know, a half dozen different chances to say, you know, Deshaun Watson is our quarterback. Deshaun Watson is going to be our starter, and he wouldn't do it. And that was a, a very marked change from where they had been even like three or four weeks before that. And so I think that there's a likelihood that Deshaun Watson gets moved whenever the league and the legal system give us clarity on all of, of where he stands. He's Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter, lead content strategist for the Monday morning quarterback. I know you mentioned this yesterday, which is part of the reason why I wanted to have you on that, you know, don't count out Miami with Deshaun Watson. It feels like that has been the destination that he wants and that's the quarterback they want, even though they have Tua Tonga-Vailoa. So why do you think that that's still a possibility? He gives them a chance to get a lot better at the most important position on the field without blowing up their what they've been doing for the last three off seasons. Um, I, I do know that you know Brian Flores is confident in the culture that he's built. Um, and the ability to absorb, you know, a, a story like that. I think he feels like, you know, he, he's got the organization in a place where, um, where they can do that. And if you look at the capital they've got to offer Houston, think about this, Dan, like Nick Casario comes from New England. What college program is New England closest to? Closest to Alabama, right? So you would think that Nick Casario probably has good information on Tua, so I think Tua in a Miami-Houston deal could wind up becoming a really interesting chip where maybe Nick Casario looks at it and says, we get Tua in here. Now we've got Tua and Davis Mills, who we took in the third round, throw them into a competition behind Tyrod Taylor. Maybe we have something at quarterback then that can, that, that, that can you know, answer the question long-term for us. And then Miami has a first-round pick next year and two first-round picks in 2023 to offer. So you add all of it up, and with the capital that they have, you could, you could really offer something enticing to Houston without completely blowing up what you've been building for the last three years. And when you're talking about trading for a player like a Deshaun Watson or an Aaron Rodgers, I, like in most cases, you've got to completely blow up your timeline, right? Like you've got to, all right, like we're getting rid of all this draft capital. We're going to build our team a different way. Miami doesn't have to do that. Mm. Miami's set up in a way where they could go and get Deshaun Watson, give Houston something really good, and come out of it still sort of on the same timeline they've been building on for the last three years. Uh, Urban Meyer and his decisions that he's made, whether it's – bringing in the strength and conditioning coach from Iowa, and that didn't do well. Uh, draft, drafting a running back, uh, Travis Etienne, and maybe making him a wide receiver. Now you have Tim Tebow here. Is there a perception of Urban Meyer that's forming, in your opinion, of just what he's doing as a NFL coach as opposed to a college coach? So, like, if you look at his staff, there are a lot of NFL assistants, right? Like, a lot of guys who are plainly NFL coaches. Uh, now, there are some guys like Charlie Strong on the staff that go back with him, but there's, you know, Chris Ash, you know. Um, but there are, like, guys that are, you know, like Daryl Bevel, like Brian Schottenheimer, like Joe Cullen that are strictly NFL assistants. I, I think what you look at um, when you see some of the moves you're talking about is – Maybe Urban is going to adjust some, but he's also going to bring a lot of what he already was at the college level with him. And, and I think the proper comparison for Travis Etienne, if you want to really look at it, is Percy Harvin at Florida or Curtis Samuel at Ohio State. Like that's what I think they envision Travis Etienne being. And it also explains why you take Etienne, even though you've got James Robinson and uh and, and carlos hyde at tailback already so like you see him in sort of that h-back role then go over to tebow what's tebow well if you look at what urban meyer became the last few years at ohio state really he's more of a culture coach than anything else he's a program builder and what do coaches like that do well they value guys who can sell what they're bringing into a program in the locker room and Tim Tebow can do that over the next three or four months for urban Meyer. So maybe he makes it, maybe he doesn't, but at the very least, he's got a guy who you know has some name recognition in the locker room who can help urban try to sell the program that he's bringing to the NFL. And so I think when you add those things up, Dan, I think you see, you know, while urban is willing to bend some, you know, and that shows in all the NFL assistance he's brought in, He's also got his own ideas that have worked for him for the last 20 years that are absolutely coming with him. Why is Tebow so polarizing to people? 
<laughs> um, it's it's fascinating because I I don't even know how to answer this, Dan. I, like it's it, it's it, it's weird, right? Like, but I I think a big part of it is he was on the front end of playing quarterback in a different way, right? And he was sort of on the front end of the NFL game changing to adjust to allow quarterbacks like this to play in the league. Um, you know, and around the same time that like a Cam Newton came into the NFL, a Robert Griffin, the third came in the NFL. Now, all of a sudden, like your Tommy Frazier's and your Scott Frost's from 30 years ago, were getting a shot in the league. And so you had this guy coming from Florida who didn't really look like he could play the quarterback position in a conventional manner, but was such an A plus guy from an intangible standpoint and had such a large following and there's the religious thing. And so I just think he became polarizing because he was so popular with a certain group of people that automatically that's going to make you sort of the, the, another group of people sort of skeptical of, of who you are as a player. And I, I like, I probably just did a horrible job of explaining that to you <laughs> because there's so much there. You know what I mean? But I, I like, it's weird, right? Like I I'll give you this. I went back. And so I talked with John Fox uh, a couple days ago about, about Tebow as a tight end. And he brought to light to me, he said like, well, you know, we actually put him in a game as a tight end. And I didn't even remember, remember this at all. His second game in Denver, John, John Fox's second game in Denver, they put him in the game at tight end. And he played three plays and Foxy said to me, he's like, yeah, like, you know, like he looked functional out there. So I went back in my game pass and I looked it up. You know, the first <laughs> thing I noticed about it, Dan was, was when he came on the field, the crowd had been quiet. Right. And it popped and it was unbelievable. And here's a guy coming in in an emergency situation. And like, he, like he's wearing receiver gloves, you know, and he's wearing elbow pads. <laughs> it's like, I, I like, I almost forget how, how just insane that story was. So, uh, that's it. Like I said, I've done a horrific job of answering that question for you, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, it's hard to explain, right? Like you just know it when you see it. But it's it's gimmicky. But then there's so many things in life that are gimmicky. You know, I go like, like this uh, guy fighting Floyd Mayweather. You know, Jake Paul or whatever Logan Paul. Like he's nobody. But it's a gimmick, and he gets a chance to get in the ring with one of the great fighters of all time and make millions of dollars. Uh, it, you know, we we take chances, give chances, we do favors. Right. All of th this is just the ninety-man roster, and I'm going. Yeah, and if a guy is going to lose his roster spot on the ninety-man roster, then he deserves to have it in jeopardy. If you Tebow comes in and takes it from you, right? And I, I guess it's the I, I immediately when you when you brought all that stuff up, I immediately thought for some reason about Chad Johnson racing the horse. Um, <laughs> well, DK like, Metcalf, they gave him a right. spot to run in that race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I think it's but but you know what like I, like now that you mention it, it's like kind of I guess what we're talking about is seeing something that seems absurd on its face, right? And that whole thing was absurd. Like you remember that Bears game, right? Like where like the the ball goes out of bounds. Like it's just like the weirdest stuff was happening, and it was unexplainable. And it's sort of like backed up like this guy, like there's just something intangibly intangible about this guy that like, you can't explain it and it may look like crap, but somehow at the end of the day, at the end of the game, you look up at the scoreboard and his team has more points than the other team. Right. <laughs> and so like, it was just like, like, I guess that's what it is. It's like, we, we, we all witnessed something that was so like, just on its face, absurd in 2011. And maybe like in the back of our heads, we're all wondering if some version of that could play out again 10 years later in 2021. That's the best way to explain it, I guess, right? I mean, the guy almost the guy almost made the 40-man roster with the Mets and he hadn't played baseball since high school. I like he's like the real life Forrest Gump. But you know what I mean? But that's gimmicky as well. And they they used him and he used them. So there was reciprocation there. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, maybe Jacksonville's doing that, that, hey, come on in. I mean, imagine when he goes into a game in Jacksonville, in his hometown, he'll get a bigger roar than Trevor Lawrence will. I mean, that's the other thing. 90 minutes from Gainesville, I think, right? Like, no, I mean, I like, maybe this wouldn't be a circus in Kansas City, but in Jacksonville? 
where like everyone who covers the Gators can just get in their car and drive over, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about it. Like that's, that to me is what's so interesting about this calculation for Urban Meyer is like, it'd be one thing if he was bringing in a guy who was maybe a good player for him at Florida or Ohio State and has like a nominal chance of making the roster, right? But the stuff that you're inviting in with Tim, that, which, and again, like this isn't even his fault. It just comes with him. Like the circus that you're bringing with him and then the other players constantly having to a- answer questions yes. about it. Like, I, I think the real risk here, and this this part's interesting to me. Like, I think the real risk here for Urban is, does it chip away at your credibility at all? Like if you're bringing him in and you're asking the team to accept him as a NFL tight end, right? And it just looks awful. And then you hang on. Like, so like, let's say we get to training camp and it looks terrible the first three days of camp, right? And remember, Tebow like didn't look good in practice at quarterback in Denver. So like, let's say like, it just doesn't look right the first three or four days. Does Urban have to get rid of him, right? Because the guy's not on scholarship. Like, does, does Urban have to get rid of him? Yeah, imagine cutting him. Right. Like, like, so like at that point, like, do you get rid of him or, and if you hang on to him for another couple of weeks, does that chip away at your credibility? Mm. Because there are other guys trying to make the team there, right. That are looking at it and saying to themselves, well, wait a minute, like this guy, like, what is this? Like, why is this happening over here? The guys, I mean, and it's not like he's 23 years old. It's not like you're projecting three years into the future. You know what I mean? Like, like what's the what's the real upside here? The guy's not going to become Tony Gonzalez. At least I don't think so. No, he's not. Um, you know, like so. That's the thing about it. Like that, the the credibility part of it, I think, is really interesting because Urban takes that stuff so seriously. You know what I mean? Like having credibility with his players, and and that's why so many of his guys believe in him so deeply is because he's brought such credibility to the table in everything that he does, and that's what's so interesting. You sort of wonder. Like, what's the plan for him? And does Urban just have a blind spot for this guy, or is there something more to it? Great to talk to you, Albert. Thanks. We appreciate your time. All right. Great to talk to you, Dan. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it, Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too? It's funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find. That's not just a household item. Wow, you know I mean? even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you can also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini-games, like digging for treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win, or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike 
and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Thanks to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Dan Patrick Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it all. Also, breaking ground on NIL. They've got some of the biggest names in college sports. They had Caitlin Clark in there, Angel Reese, and a lot of the upcoming NFL and NBA first-round draft picks. And if you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net with some of the first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. And the best trading card brands, Prism, Select, Don Russ, and so many more. And for those NFL draft fans, get real-time trading cards after players are picked with Panini Instant Cards, celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Dan Patrick Show. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Let me bring in Chris Mannix, the senior writer, NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. Play in tournament starting tonight. Do you think the uh, play in tournament good idea? Is are are we uh, in this for the long haul? I think the play in tournament is one of the best ideas the NBA has ever had, and I say that not knowing the results of the play in tournament and knowing that if it continues moving forward, we are highly unlikely to get LeBron versus Steph Curry in for the Warriors anyway, or well, not, not really a one game playoff, but uh, two games and lose type of situation. The rest of the regular season, Dan, was just so much more interesting because of the play-in tournament. You had less tanking because of the play-in tournament. I had a conversation with Scott Brooks of the Wizards uh, just last night, and he was telling me that the fact that the play-in tournament existed and that the Wizards, even though they finished as the number eight seed, only had to theoretically get to 10 really enabled them to keep their season going in late February, early March, when it looked like they were going to, to fall apart. So I'm all in on this version of the play in tournament. I think the NBA is all in on it as well. What are the odds that the Lakers could lose two in a row here in the play in tournament? Very slim. Um, you know, Golden state game will be fun. And I think the warriors, because they have a sneaky, good defense, top five, in the NBA could be more competitive than people think, but I don't know. The idea that the Lakers could lose to Golden State and then lose to the winner of Memphis versus San Antonio, that seem, seems far-fetched. There's part of me, though, Dan, that wants them to lose to Golden State so that they wind up back in the Clippers' side of the bracket <laughs> because that incredible tank job the Clippers did against Oklahoma City in the last game of the season. I mean, you have to really try hard to lose to Oklahoma City because they're trying equally hard to lose that game. Uh, for the Clippers to lose the way they did uh, just to avoid the Lakers' side of the bracket, it would almost be poetic for them to get the Lakers ultimately in the end. Well, didn't Denver try to do the same thing? Uh, yeah, but I, look, I don't look at Denver as a true championship contender. I think it's a bad look for anybody to lose to try to avoid uh, a team on your side of the bracket. But the Nuggets without Jamal Murray, they're a great story, not a championship contender. They could easily get beat in the first round. The Clippers are like this, you know, they're the a contender, right? Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Ad Rondo, Ty Lue, different dynamic. I keep hearing from everybody how this is the year of the Clippers. And what do they do at the end of the regular season? They intentionally lose to Oklahoma City. Dan, you played the game. I, I've, I've seen crazier things happen than a team win or tie when down five with seven seconds left. But with seven seconds left down five, the Clippers just inbounded the ball and ran out the clock. Like they were intentionally trying to lose that game. I just, 
I, that to me doesn't put any, uh, uh, say a lot about a team's mental toughness going into the postseason. Okay. And I'm trying to understand, though, the Clippers. Are, are they better than last year? I know they were in the bubble, but I don't know what – like what happens to Kawhi Leonard if the Clippers bow out early here? Wait, what, what's his future in L.A.? Well, it's, it's a good question. I mean, people in L.A. will tell you that Kawhi's in this for the long haul, that he didn't come to the Clippers for one or two years. He came to finish his career in Southern California. But if they get beat early, and look, this Mavericks series, not going to be easy for them. I mean, Dallas goes into this series with a measure of confidence. I mean, they were playing well prior to Kristaps Porzingis going down in the bubble last year. So they're going into the series thinking, look, Porzingis is healthy. Tim Hardaway Jr., a candidate for sixth man, uh, one of a, a decent third scoring option. Yeah, they think they can win. If the Clippers bow out, I, I don't know. I mean, Kawhi is obviously a tough guy to get a read on, but I don't. I certainly don't think it would bode well for the future of the Clippers front office if they can't get out of the second round uh, for the second year in a row. The MVP ballot is going to look like what? Nikola Jokic is going to be at the top. It's, I mean, you start there. I, I think it will be a wide victory for Jokic. I filled out my ballot last night. The only difficult choices were two to five. I mean, Jokic, um, yes, he's been the most durable of players. And yes, that was a factor. But he posted astonishing numbers. He averaged three more assists per game than Steph Curry while only averaging a few fewer points. Uh, and, and just as important for me, Dan, as I was kind of going through the, the process here, uh, when Jamal Murray went down, the Nuggets didn't fold. They won nine of their next 10. And a lot of that was on Nikola Jokic. So for me, that was kind of the last push uh, for Jokic at the, at the top of the ballot. Okay, who's second? This is where I think it's going to get subjective. I had Joel Embiid. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen him play a few more games, but the games he did play in, he was dominant. And if he had played the same number of games as Jokic, he would be the MVP. But I think he did enough to warrant second on my ballot. Third, I went with Giannis. Um, massive numbers uh, this season. Fourth, I went with Luka Doncic. Um, you know, the Mavericks, after a really slow start, they came on to finish with that five seed, and Doncic posted MVP-worthy numbers. And fifth was Steph uh, on my ballot. Just a, an incredible scoring year uh, for Curry and helped push that team uh, into this playoff mix. So those are my top five with some very difficult omissions. Okay. If there was an open draft and you could have Curry or Jokic this year, one, one, one season. One season. Well, that's not how the MVP really works, but I, I would, I'd probably take Jokic for this season. Okay. Probably. Yeah. I don't think it's you close. believe that. I don't think you believe that. I like Steph to me to Steph. The you know the Warriors without Steph win what, fifteen games, twelve uh, games probably probably something that, that's not good. It's not pretty. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like they you know if, if they were higher than the eight seed, I might have a different opinion on this. But it's not like they set the league on fire with how they played. Yes, in the game Steph played in, they were great too. Like they had a better record of games he played in uh, than the ones that he didn't. But I mean, I just made the case for Jokic after Murray went down. They lost an all-NBA point guard, and they won nine of their next ten. Like, that matters in this, uh, okay. this voting. Okay, all right. I'm just I, – I, I was on record as saying Steph would win the MVP from the start of the season uh -huh. and, and figuring that maybe they would have Klay Thompson and then maybe they would have James Wiseman. But I thought that he did an incredible job. So He did. And look, leaving – I mean, the guys you leave off are just as tough. I mean, Damian Lillard, leaving him off the top five. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chris Paul, leaving him off the top five. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, that made it tough to vote. We're talking to Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated NBA senior writer. Uh, which team is in better shape, the Knicks or the Celtics? <laughs> it's a tough one. Um, I, I got to go with Boston only because their top two players are better and have more upside than the Knicks' top two players I mean, the Knicks this season has been remarkable, but I'd still take Tatum and Brown over Randall and R.J. Barrett. So long-term, I look at Boston. There needs to be some kind of substantive change there. I mean, if, if that Boston team, Dan, loses in the next two games to fall completely out of the playoff picture, I wouldn't be surprised. I think they lose to Washington tonight. 
and it wouldn't surprise me if they lost to the winner of Charlotte uh, and New Orleans, or New Orleans and Indiana. Uh, they've got to do something significant. But long term, I still like the the talent gap between Tatum and Brown and whatever the Knicks can throw out there. But if they lose the next two, Brad Stevens is still safe? Yes, Brad Stevens, okay. who signed, I believe, a five-year contract um, just uh, last year. He's still safe. I, I just wonder, I mean, is Danny Ainge going to stick around? I mean, that's a question I have. Hmm. Um, you know, Danny's been the GM in Boston for almost 20 years now. That's an incredibly long period of time for any top executive. I don't think Danny's in any trouble. I don't believe that ownership would would push him out or he'd be fired for any reason. But at some point, you just kind of say, all right, well, I've done enough. I led this team to a championship. I put it in a good position. It's I don't have the same energy for the job anymore. Uh, that's something I, I wonder about as we head into the Celtics offseason. Before I let you go, I know you also cover boxing for Sports Illustrated. Why is boxing so gimmicky now that we actually care about some internet TikTok star, you know, fighting Floyd Mayweather or so-called like that? Why is this a big deal? Well, I would say this. Boxing fans don't care. It's just that they've been able to marshal the legion of followers that followed them on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and all over the place and convince that group of people to buy pay-per-views, which is a credit to Logan Paul and Jake Paul and all the other YouTubers that are out there trying it. I don't think boxing fans are pivoting to these YouTube guys. I just think they've been able to bring an entirely new audience into the boxing space, which in a strange way could turn out to be good for boxing if they handle it in the right way. Now, you put a quality fight on the undercard of Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather, it exposes them to an entirely new audience. Now, boxers that get frustrated by the numbers that these YouTubers are doing, they just have to look in the mirror. I mean, boxing nowadays, Dan, how many times do we get the best fighting the best? How many fights fall by the wayside because of boxing politics. You want to draw the same type of crowds and draw the, do the same type of numbers as these YouTube guys? Stop fighting nobodies. Fight top-level opponents, and boxing fans will come back in droves. I've long believed, Dan, that all the tens of thousands of fans that showed up at the Sugar Ray Leonard fights and the Mike Tyson fights and the Lennox Lewis fights all throughout previous decades, they're still there. They're just waiting for good fights to happen. I was down in Texas where they had 73,000 people in AT&T Stadium, which may not have been the safest thing in the world to do, but they had 73,000 people in that stadium for Canelo Alvarez against Billy Joe Saunders. If you build it, they will come. If you put on good fights, they will come back. Right now, they're not putting on good fights, and the YouTube stars are claiming a piece of that audience. I would be interested if Floyd Mayweather fought both brothers. Then I would be interested in that bout simultaneously. Do you still even care? Like, I, I mean, yes. Okay, WWE style, you know, handicap match, I guess, fine, whatever. But it, Floyd fighting Logan Paul is going to have like 35 pounds on him. Logan Paul is not going to get a glove on him. Not, not a single glove. Unless Floyd lets him and decides to give the fans a show by taking a shot or two. But otherwise, uh, if, if you're paying for it, go right ahead. It's your money. Do whatever the hell you want with it. But don't expect Logan Paul to do anything that resembles being competitive with Floyd Mayweather. Great to talk to you, Chris. Thanks for joining us. You got it, Dan. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The superbly versatile all-electric EQB from Mercedes-Benz. It's impressively techy and surprisingly roomy with available seating for up to seven. The vehicle is all electric. The feeling is all Mercedes. Learn more at mbusa.com slash EQB. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody. 
and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.